Welcome back to Following Noadon, a Stormlight podcast. This week is episode 12. We will be doing chapters 40 through 43 of The Way of Kings. I have Andrew, Paul, and Elliot joining me for this week. Uh, Elliot, do you have two words for these these chapters? I certainly do, and this time they are very different. I have journey and killer. Journey killer. and killer. I thought your second word might be destination, but uh, <laughs> you, said, you said different. So journey and killer. And Paul, what are your two words? My two words, I was about to say the same thing. They are very different. My first word is unnecessary, and my second word is hopeful. Unnecessary, hopeful. hopeful for very different reasons. Okay. Very different things and going on. But... Journey and killer for Elliot. Okay, let's 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 discuss these. All right. Uh, I'm curious to hear this, so I'll start with you, Paul. Unnecessary. Okay. Talk to me about unnecessary. Okay, so unnecessary, I'll have to say right now, I can't get into it too much yet. I don't I don't want to jump because if, if I start, um, I won't be able to stop. So I'm going to okay. put okay. that on hold. It has to do with the Shalon chapter, if it, that okay. means I, anything. I figured. But yes, uh, unnecessary. And my other word is hopeful. And that basically ties into Kaladin's like frame of mind in this, in the chapters we look at. Um, he is not very hopeful, but it, throughout the chapters, but uh, at the, the end, you kind of get to see a glimpse, a, gl- a, a shimmer of hope or a glimmer of hope. Yes. Okay. Uh, Elliot, uh, talk to me about your two words. So I'll, I'll start with, with killer, since that's the, the depressing one, and then I'll move to a more positive note. I Usually when I pick words, I try and find something that has a, a common thread throughout the different chapters that we that we read. Sometimes it's, it's difficult since we read some very different storylines, but I picked killer because Shalon is is still wrestling with the fact that Yasna has basically murdered the the four thugs they came across and so she's she's trying to process whether Yasna is a killer or not. Then in the Kaladin chapters we we get this this kind of tense moment where they're trying to save Bright Lord Roshon's life and Liren says or Kaladin has this passing thought of oh we could just we just let him die. And he asks Liren, you know, why why did you not just let him die? And Liren responds with, well, I'm not a killer. And at the end of that chapter, Kaladin has a really dark moment, I think, where he realizes that if he needed to, he feels like he could kill someone, which I think that's probably a pretty big moment in Kaladin's development. And then lastly, I'm going really long here on this, but on, on Killer, there's a little blurb in chapter 43. Maybe I'll talk about it when we, when we get there, but still drops a line about she has helped kill men before. Mm, and that yeah. caught me like, wait, what? 
So killer, all that on, on killer. Okay, now journey. Journey's obvious. So at the very end of chapter 43, we get this awesome quote, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, but journey before <laughs> destination. That's all I'll say right now. We will certainly be talking about journey before destination at by by the end of this episode. Don't you worry. And we do not have a spell check this week, so we can jump right in. Let's talk about chapter 40 and chapter 43 last. And so we can talk about the end of 43 last. Let's discuss this uh, Kaladin prequel or prequel Kaladin flashback chapter first chapter 41 yeah i like prequel that's solid can i start us off here <laughs> yeah go for it so i wanted to at the end of last episode on our podcast here we were talking about how Liren has become um slightly more humanized in that 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 adds to the depth of kaladin's development um this i i think this this um this chapter actually deepens that and makes it much more substantial. Um, you see that Liren is much more capable of deep thought than originally thought. Uh, he's not just the surgeon who saves people and that's where Kaladin learns his ideas. No, he struggles with things just like Kaladin does. And um, in fact, he and Kaladin actually butt heads pretty aggressively. And so that was one of my, my main takeaways from that whole chapter was Liren becomes very humanized and you, you see him in a whole different light, even from the chapter before. So. Okay. I want to, I want to ask you about this specifically, Andrew, because you're a nurse and mm -hmm. uh, nurses and doctors these days have to take the Hippocratic oath, I believe it's called. And mm -hmm. that ties into this chapter fairly well that, uh, Liren has the life of Rashon in his hands. He could sever this artery by the flick of his wrist, and no one would know the difference because nobody else is there. And it wouldn't surprise anyone for Rashon to die from his wounds here. And all of Liren's problems, all of Liren's family's problems, would be solved if Rashon would just conveniently die of his wounds as would be reported and he doesn't do this and uh elliot as you touched on with one of your words is that kaladin discovers that he would have done that um or he could have maybe not would have but it he finds it in himself that he could have done that if he needed to and uh andrew talk to me about the the importance of not being a killer when when you're a nurse or a surgeon like Obviously, there's some very clear stuff here. Sounds pretty important. Right. It, it, it really shows um, how deep Liren's convictions go, that this guy is aggressively oppressing his family, um, and he could take him out, but he doesn't. He, like you said, he, he sticks to his oaths. He, he even mentions that he, he, he considers it, uh, but uh, it's, it's very... Uh, it, it's very this it hit it hit home like uh all healthcare professionals deal with this at some point they're like is it really worth putting all this energy and time into this person um but it it brings around the humanity to show that Liren is capable of 
uh, of staying his his hand and doing the right thing. Um, he said he said at the end he said he does what is right because it is right, and that 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 is kind of a very powerful saying in my mind. I think Kaladin grows up a lot in this chapter here. He Kaladin is defined by doing what is right because of it because it's right and i think that's because he sees that in his father um Mm. especially in this chapter andrew i'm really glad to have you with us on on this episode in particular because this chapter chapter 41 is a very medical chapter if you will and i was i was thinking of you as as i read this and, and your medical background I, I keyed in specifically on kind of the, the three laws that Liren talks about, his kind of logical progression of if you have two people dying in front of you, who do you save? And he basically breaks it down as he, he talks these in reverse order, but essentially first it's know who you save and who you can save and who you can't. Then you you heal the person with the worst wounds. And if it's it's still tied, you you take the youngest and you heal them first. Is there a real life kind of equivalent of that in your your profession? Uh, there is. Um, there's a there's a sequence to triage. Um, you're always going to take the most critically ill patients, and you're gonna you're gonna treat them first, um, and then you're gonna it, it become it's. There's not as much to do with age. It's more nowadays. Um, who do we have resources for? Can we treat this person? And then you're gonna go like like Liren said with the the most serious first. And if two are equal, equally, then you're gonna um, you're gonna you're gonna go with not the youngest but the other the other one. So two of those hold true in today's society as well for for medical professionals. Interesting. I I I figured that was probably the case, and I thought this was another cool instance of of Brandon Sanderson working in. A, a real life aspect into into his novel that just makes it feel very very real and very the the word I had for this whole chapter really specifically was visceral. This was a very gut wrenching chapter, and and that all played into it. Halfway through this chapter, uh, Rillier dies, and on the on the medical table, and this Dang. has implications for Laurel specifically because Laurel and Rillier were an item and are no longer so there's going to be some repercussions coming for Liren and Kaladin's family because already as we've seen in the book people people blame Liren for not being able to save their loved ones and if they if they die without a surgeon there that's the that's the almighty oh the almighty was calling them home and that that's their time. They're not terribly shaken up about that. But if Liren is tr- they are trying to save them and he fails, then all of a sudden it's Liren's fault, and they're they're trying to blame someone for their um, for their family member's death. So Laurel may may have some issues with Calvin and his family coming up. Uh, Elliot, you have white spines question mark like crab wolves question mark. Do you want to <laughs> do you want to talk about white spines for a little bit? That that's pretty much it. I have nothing to talk about. It's a question. I we've seen white spines mentioned before, and if I'm remembering correctly, in the previous references we got to them, I kind of came away with a a wolf 
impre- impression. I don't know that if they mentioned like packs or hunting or something like that, but we've learned so far that that everything in this world, or at least in the the non Shinovar part of the world, everything is a crab this, like chulls are the crab cows, and mm-hmm. you know we have the axe hounds are are crab dogs. So I'm. I'm jumping to the guess that white spines are like crab wolves. I might be completely off, but I really don't know what they actually are. Uh, that's Probably. my impression. As far as I know, they're <laughs> crab wolves. So on the avenue of everything is a crab, I think I had an incredible breakthrough. Okay. We mentioned in our last episode about, as far as we know, the easy answer is everything is a spren. Well, what if sprens are just crabs? Because everything is apparently just a crab as well. So, like, <laughs> are there crab spren or aren't? I think I think spren are like crabs somehow. Okay, that's all I have. Spren are crabs. We need there's to- definitely all I'm saying is there's a guaranteed as in as of now, Mister Prediction here. Um, <laughs> there's a guaranteed correlation between crabs. And spren. You know what? I need one of those rolly whiteboards and just have it like off to the side here. And whenever we get a new prediction, I'll just roll it in and write it down. Yes. And then uh, just credit it with uh, certain names. Yes, that's a good idea. You need to have one with yarn so you can connect Paul's line of thought. (laughs) Yes. Yes, that's a great idea. I'm going to get. I'm going to get a board. I need a new background. I'm going to get a board and I'm going to get yarn and we're going to connect crabs and spren. Are there crab spren or is, are you just saying all crab, all spren are crabs? All spren are crabs. And since they make up so Both. basically everything, therefore crabs are, that's why everything is crab, like because spren are like crabs pretty much all right andrew i'm gonna need you to go get your cat and tell us tell your cat Silfrena that she is a crab <laughs> sorry Sil, you're no longer a kitten you are a crab yep fair <laughs> i'm sure there's crab cats too we have crab dogs so gotta be yeah it's possible great great yeah anything else on chapter 41 for you guys I did think it was slight side note. I thought it was slightly interesting how they have anesthetics and it's just used from from a, a weed. Um, that's my medical. It's like, oh, that's interesting. They have anesthetics from this. They use antiseptics from that. So I thought that was interesting. I didn't think that was interesting, but that's because I'm not a <laughs> medical professional. So <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't. I didn't take, I didn't even note that in my mind in the slightest, but that is pretty cool now that you mention it. Um, I mean, that's how all medicine here started as well with like herbs and stuff, but um, anyway, side note. Mm -hmm. Oh, we should have had you here for the apothecary episode. You could have gone all, gone off crazy. I (laughs) would have gone off on a guess. Like one drop of sap from a... The yep. reeds, yeah, from the reeds, yeah. Is that how they do it? That's cool. All right, let's let's back up to Paul's word, which I'm assuming you're going to bring up here. Chapter forty-two. It's a Shalon chapter. Uh, Paul, do you want to do we want to lease off on this? I'll take it away. All right, go for okay. it. Okay. So this Shalon chapter, right? So I have to say, I I was very 
proud and happy and excited for the previous Shalon chapters that were exciting. We had all this stuff going on. You know, Shalon has stolen the, the, the Fabriole from Yasna. And here we are with Capsule. In my opinion, one of the most unnecessary characters that we've seen so far. Uh, maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's not the best opinion, but I I can explain a little bit. Um, so Andrew mentioned in the previous episode that Shalon chapters are are basically like showing more of the culture and kind of a world building tool more than an exciting story like the Kaladin chapters tend to be. Um, and Capsule, I think, does provide some, you know, more depth to the world. He's a um, apothecary. Is no, is that the right? Uh, ardent. 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 I knew it started ardent. with like an A. Okay, he's an ardent, and as far as I know, it's basically like a monk uh, where they are like religious and they can't get married and all sorts of stuff, um, and. Most of what we see in this chapter is Capsule like flirting with Shalon, which did provide for some pretty funny dialogue. Um, but I felt like it was really unnecessary. Um, I don't think it really helped me get a picture of of Roshar or of this area, and wasn't that great. And in addition, um, with the Shalon chapter. This whole time, it's been this build-up to when's she going to steal the Fabriol? And now she's still on it. And I understand the like logical, I can't just run away immediately. That's way too obvious. I have to find a way to play this out. And so that's what we're going through right now. And it, it just... Like, let's just get there. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I I'm ready to, to see it go. I didn't... I didn't want to listen to Shalon and Capsule flirt for four pages. Eat more jam, yeah, <laughs> um, and stuff. You get some mild, more knowledge about the the world here in Roshar, but I I thought it was unnecessary. So that's so, where my word came from. So here's the here's what this chapter is supposed to do for you, Paul. It's supposed to set up two more problems for Shallan. Now that she has the Soulcaster, she doesn't know how to use it. And that's going to be a serious problem because when she gets back to her the Davar Banner, it's not the the Soulcaster's not even going to help her unless she knows how to use it. And she so she's going to be asking Capsule uh what he knows, and she gets a little bit of information, but not much. And she keeps trying and trying and trying, and it's not nothing's working. And then the second one is capsule is another excuse for her not to leave. She really doesn't want to leave. She doesn't. She's anxious that Yasna is going to find out about the Soulcaster right as she leaves. And if that happens, then she's implicated, even though she stole it three weeks ago at that point. And uh, it's only that the, the fact that the wind's pleasure is coming into port next week that's actually forcing her to leave. She doesn't want to leave because Capsule's there, because she doesn't actually want to go back to the Devar Manor, and she's uh, 
she's trying to find excuses not to leave, and Capsule's certainly one of them. I understand that it's not the most exciting, but mm-hmm. that's that's why this chapter's here. I do get that. I just felt like compared to every other Shalon chapter, we we learned very little. I feel that we already knew she didn't want to leave. She kind of wanted to stay, and it was always like a big thing she she felt. And so I I felt like it really didn't didn't do that much in, in progressing that. But I do I do understand that point though. That was just my I, my hot take. I I definitely get where you're at. Paul, I, I didn't have nearly as many questions in this chapter. I don't know if I had any questions specifically coming out of this chapter. You're, you're definitely right. We didn't learn as much here. So I I don't know if I quite go as, as far as you to say unnecessary, but it definitely felt a little out of place. I, I think we're, we're 42 chapters into this. We're, we're a little over halfway through the book. And if I had to take a guess as to why... Brandon Sanderson put this this little plot line in the in the book. In addition to the the elements that Trevor you just talked about, it seems like Brandon Sanderson is trying to build a very well rounded fantasy novel. He's got chapters that are completely devoted to world building. He's got action scenes. He's got some bits that touch on philosophy and logic and thinking and science. I'm I'm guessing he's trying to work in a romance element into the novel and so that's why we get the lines that we have with with capsules he's trying to he's trying to work in as many different kind of aspects of a, of a novel as he can to just make it well-rounded and, and apply to as many readers as possible so i think that's what he's trying to go with here but i do think it does feel rather out of place from the other elements of the story we go from the very visceral chapter right before this of watching Rillier die on the medical table to Capsule and Shalon flirting for a couple of hours. It's it's a weird transition, but I I, th- I think I know what he's trying to get at. Yeah, that that is a really good point. And I, I, I like the kind of idea that he is trying to work in like a romance thing, I guess, just because that's about the only topic we haven't seen that much of, of like a yeah. romance. There's kind of the the like little kid crush relationship in the flashback Kaladin chapters, uh, but not, not an actual scenario. And I will say by far, I, I think, I think if someone were to listen to the audiobook, I would tell them to listen to that chapter specifically because the reader does an excellent job of making that conversation. Very, very funny. I, I thought of it almost as a comic oh, yeah. even more than it, at least listening to the audiobook, I didn't get a serious romance vibe. <laughs> um, it, it felt very lighthearted and and comical, but there was some like seriousness, I guess. Shalon said, you know, Capsule is a really like awesome guy, I guess. Um, as as he went through this chapter, I'm I'm looking at this like I um a submarine under the water, I see most of the iceberg and I reread it and I picked up on a lot of things that I missed the first time. Um, so I, I would encourage you guys to like, look at little words. Cause like he hints at things that you're like, it doesn't make sense. And then you gloss over them the first time. Um, and at reading it through, you're like, Oh, that was a huge hint. So um, that's what I got reading through it this time. Um, so this chapter might've seemed like, uh, a playful 
uh, like date, but there's actually a lot more under the surface. I can't say a whole lot, but I want to I want to throw that out there that there is more in this chapter going on. I'll I'll refer to you, Andrew, here because you and I have read this multiple times. The the character of Shallan and Shallan's chapters in general and Carbaranth as a whole certainly grew on me the more I read the book. It is mm-hmm. Shallan chapters. There are there's a lot in Shallan chapters for the rereader, not necessarily the first reader. The first reader right. you're supposed to get attached to Kaladin and Kaladin's story, and Shallan just feels like a speed bump in the Kaladin story. <laughs> but <laughs> when you're rereading and you're trying to learn more about Roshar and the Stormlight Archive as opposed to just Kaladin and Bridge 4, then you enjoy Shallan chapters a lot more. Definitely. I would I would agree. I will like to point out, Paul got on the Kaladin train earlier. I was on Shallan train since day one. Um, <laughs> I've, I've loved her chapters since the first time I read them through. So reading it through again, I was really excited to pick out these parts that are meant for like second time readers. Um, so I, I don't know... Yeah, so I really, I really like that about his his writing style. Yeah, I'm actually on the Zeth train at the moment. I Ooh. Kaladin's <laughs> awesome, but that's what I'm looking forward to is finding more out about Zeth. So I am glad to hear that the Shalon chapters do have a lot of reread value, and I can understand. I'm not saying if you like the Shalon chapters, then like. They're just so boring. Like, how could you like the Shalon chapters? Like, I definitely see the good part. But I'll I'll be completely honest. My my guess as to like even the motive behind this chapter was that it's not time for this plotline to progress yet. I felt that mm. that maybe Brandon Sanderson like needed this pacing to be a certain way so he almost had to add another chapter in there to kind of like space it properly down the line that was literally that would have been one of my guesses not that it's meaningless entirely i did say it's unnecessary which is a strong word to use but um that was kind of the impression i got i did i just didn't think it was that important so i was like okay well it's just kind of a delay into what's going to happen in her storyline, which I'm really excited to see um, what goes on. But but yeah, but I, I've gone on a lot about this Shalon chapter, but that was, I guess, the only thing. And I'm, you know, nothing against Shalon. Uh-huh. <laughs> just wasn't the best chapter, you know? I will say that there there was progression in this in this chapter it's just not clear to the the first reader that like what mm-hmm. andrew is saying there there are tidbits in here that you can pick up that, from a rereader's perspective that are blatantly obvious to us but it would be extremely hard to pick up on if you were mm-hmm. uh first reader there there was actually one thing in this chapter i i said earlier that i didn't have any questions on this chapter that's not actually true i i found one that i did have and that was before we got to the the capsule part. We got the section of the chapter where Shalon is going through Yasna's notebooks. And we get to learn a little bit about what Yasna is studying. So I definitely not answers, but maybe a little, some more clues. And I, I definitely noticed 
that the little excerpts that Shalon was reading out of the notebooks lined up almost exactly with the epigraphs that we've been seeing in the this part three so far. So I I think I think I'm willing to guess here that the all the epigraphs in part three are going to be from Yasna's notes or from works that Yasna is studying, which we learned she's specifically studying Urithiru. Urithiru? Urithiru. Urithiru. Just think of it with Voidbringers. Yep, yep. I got to, yeah, replace that one in my brain. Urithiru, Voidbringers, and there was another notebook. Now I don't remember what it was. It wasn't soul casting like she was looking for, but the two big ones I I, I noted were Urithiru <clears throat> and Voidbringers specifically. So that also mentions what Yasna is, is looking for. She also mentions radiance in her notebook as well. Yes, yes, yes. That was the other one. So yeah, interesting. Sparking some some questions there about why is Yasna pouring so much time into into Voidbringers and Chasm Fiends and kind of that discussion we got before, but that that was some new info. Gotcha. Anything else from Chapter 42? Or shall we move on to Kaladin? To Kaladin. I can see it on Paul's face. Just like, all right, let's just get to Kaladin. Let's go. Let's, let's move on. <laughs> You already know I'm ready to move on to Kaladin. I love having my moment to talk about the Shalon chapters. I I feel like I played devil's advocate most of the time, but <laughs> yes. All right, chapter 40 and chapter 43. Any any opening thoughts on these? I have a I have an opening thought for sure. Okay. Um I have to say, so so I, I briefly mentioned that I'm on the Zeth train, right? I want to figure out more about Zeth, um, what's going on there. There's a lot of 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 gray area that I that I want to figure out, but there's another character who's really entered my radar from this chapter, and that's Sigzil. Sigzil, however, he's you know close enough. Mm-hmm. Um, we we learn a little bit about him, a little more about him and his like I guess country and origin and stuff from this chapter and I'll be honest I, it almost felt like a love at first sight kind of thing and I don't fully understand why I mean first off I think his name is cool second off like a lot of the stories he told were were, were interesting and and stuff so I'm, I'm really curious to find out more I kind of want him to become a, a more major character he seems relatively minor at the moment but I think he's awesome so um I had a quick question for you guys. Are you guys reading what is the version you're reading? Are you reading this version with the illustrations? I have no so, pictures, but I think I have the same I, version I, you do it, uh Andrew. But Elliot okay. has an older version. I have the, the mass market paperback version, but it does have have illustrations in it. We've learned in previous episodes that some of my illustrations are not in the same place. As Trevor's mm-hmm. in possible years, but I think I do have the same illustrations as you guys. And then Paul has the audiobook, which has its <laughs> own perks, but no illustrations. Mm. 
Let's see. Uh, I don't know quite how to phrase this. I don't want to give any spoilers. I don't think there are, are any. Uh, there's a. It's right before chapter 16 in my book. There's an illustration that outlines the ideals of House Colin. Have you guys been through that? Uh, the, the 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 war codes. The war codes. Yes. Yes, we have. Okay, perfect. Then that's that's where I'm going to go with mine. Uh, my takeaway from this chapter are my. My initial thing was noticing how well Kaladin, without knowing it, actually adheres to the ideals of House Kolin. Um, he is willing in the first part of chapter 40 to go out and run with his men when they are doing their bridge, their bridge duties, um, when they're practicing. But he's still really injured. Uh, and mm -hmm. it takes Rock to say, hey, you can't do this. Um, if you were one of us, you wouldn't let us do it. Right. Um which I think is a really interesting tie-in. Sadius certainly wouldn't be where, be running the bridge with Cal, where Kaladin is. Right. But Dalinar might. That, Dalinar might. Yeah, that's that's something we we explored a little bit in the in part two of the book. Well, when we were following Dalinar along, and I I definitely see the disconnect there. Almost this. You know the, those higher Alethi war codes. That's what the light eyes should be adhering to, at least in my opinion. You have Dalinar who's who's starting to to follow them, but not really anybody else. But then here you have a lowly dark eyes who's actually portraying those values better than the light eyes above him. Tells you a lot. I just found that really interesting rereading that. I picked that out, and I thought that was interesting to note. Something to get you guys to consider is Dalinar has expressed to Sadius that uh, mankind has lost the ability to surge bind or use the powers of the Knights Radiant because they don't earn them anymore and Kaladin is beginning to surge bind as we've established so could there be so if you follow the the war codes whether you know it or not in Kaladin's example would that tie into learning how to use the powers of the Knights Radiant does Zeth follow the war codes that's exactly where my my brain was going with that as you were talking you, you're making me think that maybe the ability to surge bind is bestowed upon, you know, those that are worthy or something like that. But then I think of Zeth, and I don't know that at least in his current state, he he seems to fall under that that category. We know that he's truthless and he's done something in the in the past to to become truthless. That doesn't seem to strike me as the most honorable, although we've talked about Zeth and that he does have honor, but I don't know, those two don't seem to line up for me. There's certainly a disjoint in there somewhere with between Zeth and Kaladin. Going back to Sigzil for a second, Paul, I will I will tell you right now that he is my favorite Bridgman. And you will certainly get more Sigzil in the in the future, and I am I, I really enjoy Sigzil chapters, so Yeah, I, I'm really excited to find out more about him and almost like Zeth, I feel like there's I mean, he was just a character that there's way more than meets the eye, I guess, if we're talking about Zeth and he's like a, a lowly like 
slave, like bottom of the food chain kind of thing. And that's kind of where Sigzil is, right? Being in Bridge 4, right? The lowest of the low. We've talked about that. But he seems to have a pretty elaborate past. And yeah, he seems awesome. I'm not going to lie. Um, and so I, I'm really curious to let, learn about him. He's my favorite so far, the Bridgeman. Uh, next is probably Dunny. I think Dunny is cool, but... Um, Sigzil is awesome for more reasons than you know and you will soon find out So I'm happy to hear that very very happy to hear that I found it interesting to note that um, when Kaladin was like hey you're among good company here that Sigzil hinted that he had attempted to kill his master before that that was surprising to me yep especially from a rereader's perspective yep yep exactly <laughs> really intriguing <laughs> yep. don't worry guys you won't be in the dark for too long <laughs> figure it out eventually it, it's not eventually it's pretty quick here another thing that i'd like to point out between this chapter is the name of the chapter is eyes of red and blue um and throughout these three chapters we've seen um mention of eye color a few times in the previous one Capsule's eyes were mentioned to be light blue, uh, and that really strikes a dichotomy for me. And so I, I thought that was just interesting to note as well. So maybe there might be something more to that. I, I don't know. I, I was curious on your take on that, on that, Trevor. So I am. I'm. I really enjoy the idea of of the eyes of eyes of red and blue phrase. It's the entire concept of false hope. And how sometimes even false hope is important. Um, Sigzil and Kaladin are talking about the Bridgeman. And Sigzil mentions... Uh, I don't remember where the phrase Eyes of Red and Blue comes from. That Sigzil It comes from um, when they strap prisoners up in mm -hmm. uh, Marabethia. Is it? Marabethia. And they slit their cheeks and their um, the blood trickles down and mixes with their eyes before they're eaten by the... the, the, the ocean great shell things yep uh, yeah. i was just yeah i just didn't remember where they were but marabethia that's correct um the, all of the prisoners they take the one in a million chance that there are no great shells in the water for that entire week um instead of being immediately executed uh and nobody's ever survived that week of hanging upside down but um they always take that as opposed to just being executed on the spot. And they're comparing that to the bridgemen of all of these bridgemen assume they're already dead. And Kaladin is giving them what appears to be a false hope that there is something to live for. He hasn't exactly explained how they're going to live, but he has, or, and he doesn't know exactly how they're going to live, but he wants to instill that hope of there is a possibility and it's not till chapter 43 or the end of chapter 43 that Kaladin really pushes that through his mind of how exactly am I going to get all of these men out of the situation. We finally gotten to know all of the bridge or most of the bridgemen and, uh, but we still don't know how they're going to fix their situation. We, we get that they're more efficient now that they will die slow, like at a slower rate than most bridgemen because of how efficient they are at setting their bridge. But eventually they're all still going to die. 
And so we need to, we have this problem of, are you, are you saving the bridgemen or are you just having them die slower? So they need to be able to escape, which is what they decide to do at the end of chapter 43. They decide to try to fight and have an escape attempt. Um, any thoughts on chapter 43 as we go into it? I, I really wanted to say something here. Briefly going back, one last note about Sigzel. Um, one reason why I think he's has potential to be like an amazing character is whenever he was talking and describing that situation with Eyes of Red and Blue and the the opportunity provided to criminals who would be executed, right? Um, whenever he was describing this whole thing, I was like, oh, this sounds like a mythical land far away, almost. And we are in a mythical land far away, and I kind of <laughs> got that further vibe that he's from somewhere crazy and cool and 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 stuff this fantasy land inside a fantasy land you know um and and that just kind of seemed really cool to me um but going into chapter 43 i really wanted to touch on that this kind of really de depressive state that the group seems in especially Helen, and that's what i wanted to talk about with my word hopeful um, that's a nice way of putting it, I guess. But but this whole time in going into chapter forty three, I I couldn't understand why Kaladin was so upset. I mean, that sounds silly. Like <laughs> you know why he's upset. You you know why he's upset. I mean, things are just dire. But I feel like he's already been through the worst of the worst. And I I was kind of expecting him to be more cheerful. Like oh, I lived, you know. And he's kind of upset about it. Um, and it's not until the very end that kind of a hope begins to, there's kind of a new hope um, that, that arises or, or he kind of gets that will to fight um, and reinvigorated, if that's a word. Uh, so here's the, here's the thing about depression. And as we've said multiple times on the podcast that Kaladin struggles with, uh, depression is it can it can lapse at any time for seemingly no reason Paul you're saying you're surprised that Kaladin isn't happy to be alive Kaladin in his mind sees no way out and it spirals him back into this state of there's no hope sad boy hours I'm going to go listen to NF now that type of thing and uh it's important at that time to have those people to pull you out of it. And in 43, it's Teft who does so. And Kaladin is kind of upset with Teft for trying to cheer him up. And this whole thing has been flipped because at the beginning of getting to know the Bridgman, it was Kaladin that was pulling all of the Bridgman out and getting them, giving them a reason to live. And now when Kaladin's all depressed and saying in front of all the bridgemen that they're all going to die, all of the bridgemen are reminding Kaladin that, no, there are choices that we can make. And Kaladin's like, oh yeah, we could try to escape, which is what they tentatively tried to plan for. 
Mm-hmm. So it's really important to have that community group to pull you out of that. I think if it wasn't completely clear by now, this this would be the nail in the coffin that it is indeed some form of clinical depression that Kaladin is is dealing with. He just came off of what should have been a triumph. He survived. He's kept his bridgeman alive. But instead of that sending him on a high, it's actually done the opposite and sent him into a low. And I think we're starting to see a, a cycle with Kaladin. He goes on very emotional highs followed by emotional lows and highs and lows. And I think that that tells me more than anything that this is indeed not necessarily just a, a cynical outlook on life, but indeed a, a despair that he's battling with. He even, he even almost personifies that, that despair. He refers to it as the wretch. He, he thought he'd gotten rid of the wretch version of, of Kaladin, but turns out he didn't. That wretch is back. Mm-hmm. All right. We Later. end, though. Yeah, go for it, Elliot. I was, we're going to say the same thing. We are. We, we've done this a couple of times, actually. You've started to, to transition into things that, that I was right about to. But in this one, we, we don't end necessarily on that, that low. There is a, a glimpse of, of hope and I like Paul that you chose hopeful and not despair as your as your word because that is we we end with a little bit of an up and that up all kind of revolves around this quote that we get and it's it's kind of introed by Teft but then finished by Sigsil I want to say yeah mm-hmm. turns out that this quote is a a motto of the night's radiant and and signal tells us that it's this life before death strength before weakness journey before destination and then they kind of talk about the you know journey part of it compared to the, the destination and then Kaladin kind of wrestles with the life before death aspect of it. but i really loved that that quote and i picked journey as my word be because of it because i do totally resonate with that concept of we're all going to the same destination eventually. We're all going to die. What matters is what we do on the way there. What we do, that journey is more important than the actual destination. And I, I think that's an awesome concept. Aren't we introduced to that phrase? I, I could be totally off. If so, correct me. Are we introduced to that phrase in chapter 40, but we find out that meaning in 43 because if I remember correctly, that was like from a conversation with Sigzil about that. I, I could be far off. I thought, the, I thought this was the very first time we were seeing it from Teft. Okay. I think it is the first time. You're I, I remember incorrectly. I, I remembered the conversations with Sigzil and I thought there's some like kind of deep, deep quote and deep moment. And I guess I was getting it uh, intertwined with that in my head. Um, it's it's kind of split up the conversation itself. I think it is all in forty three, but there's they kind of talk about it initially, and then Kaladin goes off on his own down one of the the chasms and has a little, you know, moment in the in the dark where he's wrestling with the wretch and and himself, and then he kind of comes back after kind of processing that, and that's when we learn that he's decided to to resist that he's not going to give up that they're going to try and escape, 
and that's that's where we end. So it, it, it's it's split up a little bit and spread out. I think that might be what you're thinking of, Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like there's a graph of Kaladin's progression right now since the since I guess stringing up. It's been a very steep decline, and I feel like we're almost at that like point of inflection, like mm-hmm. a math term for you yep. guess, where it's like right when it's starting to turn up, and that's right where we end is. All this stuff is happening, but, and then it, it kind of ends. And so we we have the little glimmer of hope um, for them, something to kind of hold on to and to fight for. So I really liked that. This quote, Agree. this quote, life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination. Um, it is not actually the strict first time we've seen it, it's the first time we've seen it in its entirety. However, back in a Dalinar chapter, Dalinar keeps hearing the words unite them in his head, um, especially right after he's had a vision um, in the high storms. And during one of them, during the, the bridge run on the Parshendi attack, when he gets um, nauseous, he hears a voice that says life before death. And that's the only... That's the only part of the quote that we hear at that point. But um, we have heard life before death before. Throw a slight bit of confusion into this. Shalon has also been hearing words. What are you? Who are you? Just want to throw that out there. I know it's completely different. but mm-hmm. I I did note that in the Shalon chapter, and I, I brought it up because I have no idea what it means and and where it's going but yeah there was that moment where shalon heard a voice in her room and uh maybe she's just crazy it's possible this is a very pivotal point for kaladin um reading it through again um in his journey this is a very pivotal point and i'm glad that i got a a moment to sit down and actually focus on it because it means a lot more. Like I said, like in the last chapter, it means a lot more than you guys realize yet. I'm, I'm, I'm chuckling a bit to hear you say that actually, because I've been saying that to myself probably three or four times so far in, in Kaladin's journey of, oh man, this has got to be a pivotal moment for Kaladin or, oh man, this has got to be a pivotal moment for Kaladin. So to hear you come in and say that's like, you know, we've had a lot of those lately, but Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm curious to see where we're headed now if if the the second time reader is saying this is the moment so I'm very curious now maybe a moment maybe that's a better way of phrasing it yeah but I think he's um, just I think he's just a sphere and just constantly spins and like sometimes he's depresso mode and sometimes he pivots towards saving everyone and sometimes he's depresso mode He's got a significant moment spot on the globe, and it spins pretty quick. And every time it comes around, you're like, oh. "It comes around." Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> every time. Yeah. I also, um, reading through this again, I I wanted to note how intense it is that Kaladin is willing to make friends with these guys. Um, like you're starting to see friendships bud. You, like they're giving each other gifts and. Um, it's all because of Kaladin, but he's been hurt so many times, at least three that we have learned to this point. And um, it's fairly impressive that he's still willing to attempt, which is 
I, I think that's a, a very strong character trait of his. It definitely is a big thing that we've seen that even though he's in this low spot, he he's going to make something of it. And uh, I think that's why he, he's a really awesome character to follow because uh, we see that no matter, you know, uh, it's not necessarily a matter of how many times he can get knocked down, but more of how many times can he get back up again. And and I, I think that's a really like awesome approach to, to his storyline since it's there's been a lot of beatdowns. So <laughs> um, it's cool to yeah. see that. Well said. The uh, he, he has a conversation with Syl, and he's he asks her, what does it matter? What does any of this matter if we're all going to die? And Syl says, it's not about how you're going to die. It's about how you're going to get there. And that's what turns him around to start leading the Bridgemen to try to escape. Um, so they have finally all agreed that they are going to try to escape the Alethi army, even if Sadius comes after them. Any closing thoughts for episode 12, gentlemen? More Sigzil. More <laughs> Sigzil? Okay. I feel like I say this every time, but I want to know where where Kaladin's going from here. He mm. We talk about he's had so many pivotal moments. It feels like he's He's constantly having a defining moment and then something big comes next. And I feel like we just had another defining moment. Where is he going next? Like, I want to know. I actually can make my next little Kaladin prediction. Go for it. Uh, So this, 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 don't don't get your hopes up. I think it will go exactly as stated, almost. Maybe a bump in the road, but I think they're going to start training. And then I think they're going to take a guard post. There'll probably be some bumps on the road, but I don't think that plan is actually going to waver. I think we're going to see that play out at least. Maybe they get in trouble or something. I think it's going to kind of work. Maybe I think they'll like escape or at least get really far. Um, but I don't think it's going to like waver from that. I don't think there's going to be a wrench thrown into that. Personally, that's my guess. I'll I'll know. hop on the I'll hop on the prediction train while we're while we're here. I I don't disagree with anything you're saying, Paul. I think I think that's probably a good one. I think in the near future, near-ish future, we're gonna see the Dalinar storyline and the Kaladin storyline converge. That's my prediction. I think at some point we've we've had a very clear divide between kind of the the high princes and the bridgemen, and those worlds don't really cross. Kaladin sees Sadius every once in a while, but they don't interact at all. I think that barrier is going to get broken pretty soon, and and Dalinar and the characters we're seeing in that line are going to start interacting with Kaladin and the story and the characters in his storyline, and it's going to be very interesting. That's something I really want to see. Uh, what I've been looking forward to the most is seeing if these storylines that we followed are going to start yep coming together, like interacting amidst each other, and that's what I really want to see. I mentioned before I'm a huge Zeth fan, so I really want to see that with Zeth's storyline, but yeah, like like we mentioned about the surge binding, kind of uh, that'll be awkward between potentially between Dalinar and Kaladin, and I feel confident that that will 
come into fruition at some point. Um, so yeah, I, I would agree with that prediction for sure. With all of our special guests that we're, we're having and, and Trevor, of course, I, I like watching your guys' facial expressions while we make uh, <laughs> predictions. And, and Andrew, I have to commend you on your, your poker face. I'm not getting any reads out of you. You're, <laughs> you're smiling knowingly, but it, it's, not, it's not betraying anything. So Trevor well was done. Stuff away. I was going to say, <laughs> Trevor does an excellent job of this every week. I watch him and I'm like, how does he not give this away? This is on point right there. If it, if it helps your prediction at all, Elliot, we have eight chapters left in part three. And then part four is perspective of Dal we're back to Dalinar and Kaladin. Yeah, I'm picking up on a on a pattern there. We've gone from Kaladin and Shalon, Kaladin and Dalinar, Kaladin and Shalon. I'd I'd bet the house we're going back to Dalinar and Kaladin, which you just said we are. So yep. I bet when we get to that point at some point in that that book they're they're going to converge at least i hope they are so you're saying there's more interludes coming soon there are more interludes coming soon not for not for a little bit yet but coming events coming up i love them more unanswered questions i'm mm -hmm. sure interludes are almost my favorite part of these now you learn <laughs> some really interesting stuff during um, interludes it and is... it doesn't make sense at first but you reread them again and you're like oh my gosh mind yeah. blown yeah, I'm already like mine. I mean, <laughs> reading it for the first time, I, I can't. Yeah, it just opens up a whole new avenue that I get to think about. So I love them. See, Paul, I think that's so funny because on my first read, I was annoyed by interludes. I wanted that's to. Me. I wanted to read Kaladin. I wanted to figure out what happens to Kaladin. I was with Elliot. I was like, okay, I want to keep reading. I want to understand Kaladin, and. I was like, I don't care about Rissin. I don't care about <laughs> these other guys in the Pure Lake. Ishik was cool. I you Ishik, know, like... Yeah, I don't. I don't care. I wanna. I wanna read Kaladin. I wanna read Sill. But uh... it's maybe it's also kind of the the ambiguity of it all, right? Every interlude goes up. I'm like, ooh, like what kind of new kind of type of person are we gonna see here like we've seen some pretty interesting people in some interesting places mm -hmm. gotten glimpses of them glimpses of them at least and so it's kind of almost a sense of wonder because we we know what's going on in the caledon shalon stuff we know what might come we can make predictions but with the interludes it's like ooh, what's what's gonna happen it's a totally like blind wild card every time so i get really excited for them I want to see you next time we meet Paul with a string board behind you connecting different theories with yarn. Just, I, I'm throwing it out there as a background. I'm throwing it out. Yeah. And I'll just have Spren and Krabs, like, <laughs> in together. <laughs> yes. And Spren are Krabs. Yes. No doubt. Yes. Uh, everything, like... everything, all of your predictions need to tie to either the Spren or the Krabs uh, mm -hmm. sticky note. Yep. Yeah. Literally not a problem. <laughs> All right. Well, we shall keep reading and rejoin next week. Thank you for joining me, uh, Elliot, Paul, and Andrew. My pleasure. Stay safe. See you later.